you know, we, we talked a little bit about how this is so overwhelming and it really is. And so we just have to take it piece by piece and we have to stop waiting for the smart people to come and fix it. You know, we, we are the smart people and we need to recognize that we are the ones to fix it. Uh, and then we have to recognize what we're trying to fix. Hello and welcome to On The Grid, Z-Prime's podcast about important issues regarding energy, cities, and much more. I'm your host, Ricky Murray, and today, I've got an exclusive for you. Y'all, this is a very special episode. The National Public Utilities Council is releasing their annual utility decarbonization report next week, and On The Grid has your exclusive sneak peek. Returning as my co-host this week is podcast OG Dylan Lockwood, And together, we're chatting with the MPUC founder herself, Angel Lance. Angel shares what the MPUC has been up to this summer, some key findings from their report, and even shares with us how utility decarbonization efforts are stacking up against one another. Oh, and I hope you like pirates, because you just might catch a few jokes in there. Turn up your speakers, y'all. It's time to get on the grid. Hello and welcome to On The Grid. I'm your host, Ricky Murray, and back on the grid with me this week is podcast OG, Dylan Lockwood. Dylan, welcome back. How are you? How are things in Spokane? What's going on? Doing great, Ricky. We're transitioning uh, to fall here, uh, so I'm, I'm, I had a great summer and I'm ready uh, to transition out of it, though. Uh, Austin is not about transitioning into fall uh, until like December 1st for like two weeks um for you and then we enter winter so it's just always crazy (laughs) also joining us back on the grid with us is the national public utilities council founder angel lance angel how are you how have things been since we last chatted oh uh, also a great summer and just uh sitting here in northern california trying not to melt in a record-breaking heat wave that's intense and te- Texas is pretty intense over this summer too. It's definitely one of the hotter summers I've witnessed here. So um, I can empathize with you there. <laughs> well, it was 114 in my house yesterday. Uh, and many people in my area do not have, including myself, do not have air conditioning or basements. And, and we're in a severe drought. So you can't even like run around with the hose and squirt each other. <laughs> right, right. Oh. Okay, can I just say something uh, that I find amusing is that you know, when the podcast first started, not, not to get all Andy Rooney on you guys, but uh, <laughs> when the podcast first started, I, I would I was always kind of worried about like the intro banter devolving and it just talks about the weather all the dang time. But nowadays, it's just kind of it, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear how the weather's going in different parts of the country because we're trying to track like climate disasters. <laughs> It's definitely become a bit more soap opera, right? Like it's no longer <laughs> idle chit chat. Now it's like, and a hundred people died. <laughs> like it's a, it's definitely more uh, dramatic. I agree. I agree. I agree. And you know, I think that really leads us into such a great segue. The main reason you're here for uh, with us this morning, Angel, is there's a report coming out. The National Public Utilities Council has a report coming out. The annual utility decarbonization report. First, what is that? Like, why is, why is this important? And what does it really mean for the state of the really 
world, I guess, and industry, the U.S. industry. Yeah. Um, what does it mean for the state of the world? That's a question I get asked <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, the The report is a big deal uh, to me, anyway. It's um, it's been about a year in the making, uh, maybe a bit a bit longer, uh, and it will be the first of its kind where it will rank the top investor-owned utilities in the United States according to their decarbonization efforts. It will also spend a lot of time explaining what the utility, what the barriers are to decarbonize for utilities and really the various challenges that they face, along with some basic um, clarification on, on utilities in general. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I've been paying an electric bill for a long time and didn't really understand half the stuff that's on it. But my, like, yeah. my electricity's on, so I'm happy. I pay the bill and whatever those acronyms are over there, I, I, I'm sure that's important, but um, I just need to know that the lights come on. So this report will really, uh, I will say, demystify the utilities sector uh, to some degree. It will um, illuminate what the challenges are for the public utility industry to decarbonize and how they can't, it's not just all their fault and it's not something that they can do by themselves. They really need a consortium of different groups to assist um, and we'll outline those things. And it will outline those utilities who are really striving and making great inroads into or onto into the race uh, to net zero, really moving into clean power and, and making it uh, a priority for their organizations and a priority for, for our country. So that's what's going to Yeah, honestly, it's a super important report that <laughs> people really should be invested in. So yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I, I chose to do this report. This will be the first probably of, of many um, and maybe in other industries as well. But this, I chose to do it on, on the public utilities sector because I've worked in it for many years. So I'm pretty intimate with, with a variety of different utilities across the United States. But also because power and electricity and gas uh, delivery to our homes and to our cities and to our, our civilization is certainly increasingly on the rise as we move toward a, kind of an electrified universe, if you will. It's also a very large carbon greenhouse gas emissions uh, faction. So um, it was kind of a, a big bang for the buck, if you will, and a place where uh, a lot of people are just uh, somewhat confused about uh, about the utility industry, which and and how it impacts you on the, on the day to day. So I thought it was a good place to start. So Angel, uh, I have uh, I've looked at the report and it definitely seems like this was a was a large lift. There's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of data, a lot of work put in here. Um, so what what was what was the process like of putting this all together? And, and what'd you learn from it all? Uh, I learned that it was a, a lot of work and, and it was a big overwhelming task. Um, but you know, the first thing is always big and overwhelming, I think. And then after you get used to it a little bit more, it gets a little better, easier. But uh, the process to putting it together um, included um, a lot of the roundtable discussions that we, you and I, Dylan, have been a part of. Uh, really canvassing the utility um, stakeholders and asking what's going on in your world and what's hard and what would you need and how could we work together to, to shift this paradigm. So um, the utility industry is, I, I think, well represented in their voice in this report and speaking to the things that um, not only could educate 
everybody, like administrations and regulators and other utilities and even ratepayers like me who don't understand the acronyms on their bill. But it also helps them educate each other and, and really like try to define the things that are difficult for their industry as a whole, not just for their independent geography or, or their independent communities. Uh, so I found that it was a big lift because there was a lot of information and there are a lot of people to coordinate to collaborate on the compilation of the information. Uh, and then there's a lot of science and a lot of data and a lot of room for error. <laughs> so I had to make sure that there's a lot of calculation and recalculation and, um, and a lot of uh, clear definition because I'm not a scientist. Uh, and most of the readers of this report will likely not be scientists either. And so really the, the, a huge difficulty was to try to distill complex information into something that was reachable by the regular regular person. I, I learned that the first time is the hard time. And, and I, you know, I also figured out that there's so much um, differing opinions about things like ESGs um, and about how they apply to different industries or don't apply. Um, and there's still a lot of stuff kind of being worked out about uh, the concept of ESGs and the concept of uh, carbon reporting and uh, maybe impact reporting. So really working to narrow that down, define it and clarify it. That, that was, the, I would say, the, the biggest part of the process that, that took the most brain power and, and maybe the most just time. I mean, it's such an important topic. So, so and like the, all of the information is so relevant and timely. So it, I imagine it's just hard to kind of parse it down to like, what is the most key relevant area and what are the best parts of this and what are the most actionable items so like congratulations to you and your team because this is just a large feat I think in itself you know Dylan Dylan showed me the report a little bit too and so let's kind of give our give our listeners maybe a little peek into the report if you will which will be available to them very soon the report will be available on September 19th I uh, will be available uh, publicly available and just a funny note I, I chose that day because it's a uh, national talk like a pirate day um, and I thought that just made sense because what a funny day, National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Decarbonization. <laughs> yeah. um, it also turns out to be the start of Climate Week in New York. That was a happy accident, almost like I planned it, totally didn't plan it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it's it's super timely. It's it's really timely. And so inside of the report, there is, you know, a list of utilities and, and their decarbonization efforts. What can you kind of tell us about this list? Um, how are those decarbonization efforts going? Are there maybe anything we need to point out? Maybe there's some top players we should look at or tell us a little. Yeah, um, well, we we definitely, we took the top 30 investor-owned utilities um, in the nation. Uh, we chose those utilities because they often have the largest reach. You know, they service the most amount of customers and the most amount of area. Uh, and thus, they have um, a, a wider footprint or feasibly could have a wider footprint for greenhouse gas emissions and or um, a, a, a taller challenge to, de to decarbonize and to come up with net zero uh, generation or clean power. It was interesting to look at the different utilities across the nation and, and it was interesting to learn that the top five are actually geographically dispersed. Uh, they're not uh, just in California, like you would think, or maybe just in in areas that have for many years spoken to environmental concerns. 
uh, some of them are very big and very important. There's some, uh, the top five, uh, that, there's some usual players that you might expect. For example, PG&E uh, in California is number three on our list. So they ranked the, the third best in decarbonizing in the nation. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, and that, that would surprise some probably given some of the wildfire activity and issues that pg e has run into in the last uh, couple of years. But um, they have actually been working at uh, on the road to net zero for many years. And um, while the fires certainly threw a, a, a hitch in that giddy up, so to speak, um, yeah. <laughs> they, the work that they had put in for the pre- previous decade uh, still holds strong and is able and has brought them in as a, a serious contender for the the most effective utility in the United States uh, for investor-owned utility that is well on its way to, for decarbonization. Yeah, they, I I am excited to see that. Uh, Next Air Energy also. Weighing in, I believe, at number two, also a heavy hitter, the world's largest producer of solar and wind energy. So they really, really focused on green generation and distribution. Um, and then Exelon, Exelon coming in at number five, the country's largest producer of emissions-free power. That's pretty impressive given their size and their reach. Um, I won't tell you who number one is or number number four or number 24, but I will tell you that um, a lot of thought and research has gone into these utilities and, and how it is that they uh, operate and what it is that they care about in order to really illustrate best in class of clean energy generation and distribution. If you want to know who number one is, you just have to download the report. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing that we're working on because this report is huge. Uh, and in our society today, no one sits down and reads a, a huge report. Like just no humans do that. Um, no. I didn't even do it. <laughs> I made the report. Uh, so what we need to do is we're, we're working on how to deliver it so that it's really uh, more accessible, really um, uh, digestible, and you can, it's broken up in different segments so that you, you know, you're not trying to slog through a, a really lengthy uh, piece of research. So the delivery and, and um, is, is really what we're struggling with right now and trying to, trying to nail that so that people have an easy time to move through the report and, and glean its information easily rather than, you know, rather than that, I don't know, that 10th grade science report you had to do there's just like a lot of there's just like a lot of stuff in the report it's like you know there's a lot of different angles that decarbonization takes there's you know data to sift through like decarbonization itself is just like such a such a big multifaceted topic it can seem a little overwhelming at times like when it comes to talking about decarbonization like where where do we even begin well we started with a definition because um in talking with my friends folks are like what angel what is what's that word mean? <laughs> and then we all Google it, right? Because uh, it's it's just a it's not it's something that you're hearing potentially, but you're not really uh, um, really understanding what it means. So we start there. Uh, but in the concept of net zero emissions, the concept of decarbonization, it's very overwhelming and quite frankly seems impossible uh, to me. (laughs) Um, and, and then, I mean, even the report is overwhelming. It's huge. And it's on the subject. I mean, everything about it is, is heavy and, and a difficult problem to solve. Um, 
that said, this report and these efforts through the NPC are really designed to break it all down because any huge project that you've got to do, number one step, back to my project management roots, is just to break it up and start in small, small pieces, right? Break it up into work, break down structures and start with one thing and, and uh, one foot in front of the other until you can you know, start to make actual progress. Uh, so, that, so that's what we're trying to do with decarbonization is, yes, it's big and it's overwhelming, but let's break it up. Let's talk about what we can impact, prioritize how we can uh, organize those things and, and then just progress through them. Primarily though, how we progress through them as an industry as a whole you know, as a group of people who are focused on the concepts, um, knowing that if we can just minimize carbon out output, then we're we're getting close, uh, collectively, then we're getting closer to net zero. And if we get net to net zero, like uh, uh, the report kind of speaks to this as well, like why do we even care about that? Like, what does it matter if we get to net zero? What, who, who cares? It tries to break down the overwhelmingness by breaking it up, by simplifying uh, some of what, decarbonization is and its impact, and then by speaking to solutions, reachable solutions for the utility industry and all other stakeholders involved. So it seems essentially like decarbonization is like a team sport, essentially. We're all breathing the same air, unless you maybe have a different air somewhere else than I do, but it does seem like, you know, it's a team sport. So, you know, after this report's out, like what's next? How can, you know, these organizations you know, kind of take some of these things and activate it within their own place? Well, its initial you know, vision and function was to um, assist utilities in talking with each other, right? So they could get on the same page of what's working in one area, what could be tried in another. Uh, and just, you know, best practices, if you will, uh, around a relatively difficult concept. Um, so what's next is, uh, for starters, I'm hoping that we we start a little bit of a race where people would like to have their utility rank high on this report and that it is well on its way in servicing its communities uh, to decarbonize and to, um, to generate clean energy and distribute it. Secondarily, though, uh, our next step is that the utilities themselves have been participating in the roundtables and in the creation of this report to some degree. And uh, now that the pandemic is a little more mellow. We are going to start having in-person uh, hosted showcase showcases. But what that means is that we're going to get together and talk about solutions for utilities that are working in decarbonization. And we're going to do that uh, in closed forums where folks can uh, discuss what's going on in their utility with the host uh, at the time. The first up is the SMUD or Sacramento Municipal Utility District has offered to host our first showcase, our first forum, where they will walk th uh, through with utility representatives varying approaches and strategies that they um, have in flight and that they intend to kick off in the near future. So really excited about that collection of people because then the NPOC is doing what it set out to do, which is help utilities work together on holistic solutions that will actually work and uh, have been tried or true or uh, can be tried together to get to net zero across the country, not just in maybe different pockets of it. Seeing solutions in real time too, like how they're actively being implemented at a place that is doing things, you know, the appropriate way to maybe decarbonize or just even seeing 
like those things in action is just so helpful. So those in-person sites, like that's awesome. Way to go, MPUC. Like that's mm -hmm. great. And I think, and also that with the pandemic, we've really lost touch so much with just how we communicate well. And the way that we do that is with each other in person. Uh, so the opportunity to ask questions rather than have to read through something or to physically uh, see something or uh, review it together, put your heads together is, is just, there's really no substitute for that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And, and it will be the kickoff of of the showcase forum and it will be then hosted by other utilities around the country in the, in the following year. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we set out initially to get utilities to talk to each other and, uh, and share things. We also set out initially to be a resource for utilities and to help them uh, when they needed to collect information or they needed to uh, communicate uh, different aspects of their business that they have struggled to communicate to the regular person in, in the past. Um, and we set out to assist in, in servicing the utilities in, in, to expedite their decarbonization journey. And I, I feel like uh, we're now two years in, I think, and, um, and I feel like we've made pretty significant strides in, in trying in, 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 in all of those different categories I just described. Angel, uh, it's, an, it's an annual report, meaning it's something looking to uh, continue on year over year as long as you're willing to do it. So, <laughs> you know, even though the, you know, the first one isn't quite, isn't even published yet, but when we're looking forward to, to when we're, you know, meeting next year to discuss the next report between now and then, what, what trends are you going to be keeping a close eye on to, to track and compare? Well, in the report, we outlined five separate is the issues that utilities face. Um, and so we'll be keeping an eye on how those issues are being resolved and or being addressed. We will be looking at what administrations do. There's certainly been a variety of initiatives that are more climate related uh, as of late, um, but we could have a new administration soon and then that could change. So we'll, we'll just be monitoring that and, and trying to um, I don't know, stay aware. Uh, and we will uh, also be um, watching for, uh, I want to call it emergent technology or, or a variety of approaches that, that really come from necessity. You know, as, as the weather events, I mean, we joked about how we talk about the weather now and it's way more serious than it used to be. Uh, it really is. And as those things happen across the country, humans are amazing in that we do, we do one thing incredibly well, and that is we adapt. And as weather events continue to create calamity, we'll be watching and trying to learn from and help if there's emergent solutions that really, really nail it or, yeah. or really, really don't, depending. You know, this isn't your first time on the podcast. You're definitely a podcast friend. You're an ETS alum. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I know you very well. One thing I've always admired is I always feel like you have such an innovative spirit. You're always kind of looking at what this, this next thing coming, how can we enact change? How can we be better? One of my favorite things about you. Mm. So usually at this time in the podcast, we are, we say a nice philosophical question. What does energy mean to you? We've already talked about that with you so many times though. So that being said, knowing that you're, you think well in advance, after we decarbonize, say tomorrow, 
even though that's definitely not going to happen, we are just 100% decarbonized. What's next for us at that point? What's What do you feel like the future holds for us after that? Well, aside from all the stuff that we saw in the fifth element, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what's coming next. Or Star Trek, like they lay it out pretty well. You know, we, we talked a little bit about how this is so overwhelming and it really is. And so we just have to take it piece by piece. Um, and we have to stop waiting for the smart people to come and fix it. You know, we, we are those smart people and we need to recognize that we are the ones to fix it. Uh, and then we have to recognize what we're trying to fix. Like, what, what are we trying to fix? Is, um, climate change has always been such a funny discussion because, because the earth has certainly been far more inhospitable in the past. <laughs> you know? and, oh, yes. <laughs> so it will likely be there again. And so what we're really trying to save isn't the earth. We're trying to save the way that we live. We're trying to save our societal construct. We're trying to save, um, quite frankly, the just how we live and, and life. How, yeah, life. I mean, we, we can. It'll just become much more difficult and maybe more unpleasant as the climate shifts. And that's what really we're trying to protect. And who are we trying to protect that from? For uh, we're trying to protect it for ourselves. I mean, bottom line, that's the deal. Is that's what matters. But of course, we're trying to protect it for our kids too. Um, and we're trying to um, to really just alter uh, this current course, which is really doable. So after we get to net zero, if we snapped our fingers and that was the case tomorrow, we would have an, a societal awareness of our impact, of humans' impact on our, on our climate. The next place I think that if I had to tackle another thing I would tackle, it would be water. And that the world is struggling all over with fresh water and um, it like, uh, like energy emissions and energy proliferation, you know, all of us using more of it. Uh, the water issues are, um, are coming more to the forefront across the globe. And water is life. So apparently well, water and iPhones are life. That's kind of <laughs> those things, are the things that, that really make life life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean... Yeah, I 100% agree. Yes, without my iPhone, I'd be lost. Me too. I, I mean, I can't live without it. Uh, and I think that was in Star Trek too. Like you go everywhere with it, you know, it's uh, it's very much, a, a mo I would say daily a part of our lives, but it's actually really like a constant part of our lives at this point. Yeah. Do we need to have a podcast episode on sci-fi TV shows and how they reflect that? energy landscape today <laughs> yeah we do not just the energy landscape but you know net, uh, so i believe in the oracle of star trek uh just in case you guys were worried about my uh, extra geek uh, tendencies <laughs> there they are um but uh we you know they they brought us the communicator you know if you've ever seen that yeah they yeah their thing on their shirt and and they're able to communicate like like a cell phone mm -hmm. magically from yeah and sometimes they're out of reception you know because there's a volcano going or something <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot and, and they also I believe they brought us Alexa and that like you know when you walk up and you say computer and computer do this do that and then the computer does that and this and we do that but we named it Alexa or Jeff Bezos does I guess <laughs> the next thing that we're gonna probably like I really hope if I got to pick all the Star Trek stuff that we could pick you know Elon Musk is picking this the spaceship that's his choice my choice would be the transporter beam um, which yeah, a hundred percent. I need to transport in my life. Transporter beam is where it's at. 
And uh, it's not going to be like the fly where like a fly gets in there and then you turn into a fly. Not going to be like that. It's going to be like totally safe and awesome. Uh, and it's going to probably be heavily electric energy dependent. I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. A ton of energy is going to go into that. <laughs> I would think. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a scientist, but um, maybe that's what we do with the NPC after this is we, we seek to create the transporter beam. I think we should do the replicator. The replicator. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, although I, we think we have like, we eat too much in this country already. Like if I had a replicator that could just give me French cheese, Adam always noticed whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> I don't know that that would be good for our society. Um, oh. It might be though. It might be. Because no one's going to go to the replicator and say, give me lima beans, hot. Like no one's gonna do that. Or even like Brussels sprouts. Give me double Brussels sprouts. It's too, like no. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> orders Brussels sprouts from the replicator. Uh, but the replicator will require energy. I don't know. Energy is such a cool thing, and uh, and the utility industry has is such a is is so well positioned to literally transform society, and not and and as a as an integral integral part to like our replicator and everything else. I just, if we could just get it to where we're not heating up the world, man, imagine what we could do. Imagine. <laughs> um, well, Angel, that's about our time for today. If you have one last thought for our listeners um, as we conclude our episode today, what's that one little nugget of info you want them to just really leave with? Besides that the report comes out on September 16th. 19th, 19th, talk like oh, a pirate 19th, day. 19th, talk like a pirate day, yes. Decarb, I remember. <laughs> uh, that Dylan, I don't think that's going away, man. I think. Uh... <laughs> it's not, it's not. Um, I would leave with the, yeah, that, that the report's coming out and I'm really proud of it. So I hope that, um, I hope that everyone enjoys it and finds it um, informative, interesting and uh, not overwhelming. That's yeah, important, but uh, if I had a nugget to leave us with, I would say this. I would say the smart people aren't coming. We are the smart people and we can do this. And it's just breaking it up and putting one foot in front of the other. The best way to get something done is to start. So I would I would just try to make it reachable. Like any anyone and everyone in and around this discussion has all of the things that you need to get started or to continue to significantly impact in a really positive way, climate, climate change. Yeah, just try. <laughs> just try. Like, just do it, just do it. Like, yeah, it. I mean, I, I think that's my <laughs> ultimate goal is like, you don't have to be the scientist. You don't need a PhD in energy. You don't need, you don't need to be the CEO of a utility. Um, but you could also be all those things and it, you could be those things and you could be like you and me, kind of like regular people, and you can have collective impact. If, if I could leave the human race with one kernel of information, it's simply that no one is better than you. You are as good as you need to be to actually do the thing that we need to do. You don't need that degree. You don't need that high position. You don't need all that cash. What you need is uh, perspective, education maybe, or awareness, and you, and you need um, a can-do perspective. Like just start. 
Oh, I love, I love that. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. I hope other podcast guests don't hear me say this next part. You are one of my favorite podcast guests. I hope you come back for more episodes. Dylan, anything for our listeners before we go, or for Angel? To our listeners and Angel, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. Really like you. <laughs> we do, we do, and we're gonna decarbonize together. We're going to do it. And, and then I need some real feedback. Tell me about this report because I'm going to try really hard. I, I learned this cool thing called a, um, an anchor lock. Is that what it's called, Dylan? Anchor link. Anchor link. Anchor link. You know, where like you get, you, you can move around and different information so that you're not like, you know, trying to scroll for days. So yeah. I will, I, I'm going to try to make it really readable. So, but I would love any and all um, feedback about this information. I'd love to engage in the conversation of after the report is uh, deployed and, uh, and easily found at the NPUC website and uh, within links throughout the report as well for any and all feedback. All right, and we'll have the NPUC website in the link of our description for people, for people to click along to and explore. Once again, thanks again, Angel. It was a pleasure with you today. Until next time, bye. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us today and you for listening along. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in joining us on the grid, email us at infozprime.com. For updates, please be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at zprime and on Twitter at zprime underscore research. This episode was produced by Ricky Murray and edited by Aria Levanti. Cover art is designed by Mia Dance.